millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Here we go, Soccer Morning, live on a Thursday. Thank you very much for dropping in. WorldSoccerTalk.com, live on the YouTubes. Ready to go, ready to talk soccer for the next next hour and change. What is there to talk about today? Oh, there are a couple of things. We're going to have Jonathan Tannewald from Philly.com join us in just a couple of minutes. It's been entirely too long. Since uh, since Jonathan joined us, and we'll talk with him about some of the comments made by by Don Garber at Soccer X in Manchester yesterday, identifying in the goals for M- uh, for MLS where they want to be in the world's pecking order in terms of soccer leagues, uh, the uh, the state of MLS on television, and the ratings for the league at this point, because we know that in, when it comes to revenue in sports, what drives the most. It's television. We'll get into all of that. Should be a very good discussion. Looking forward to talking to Jonathan. As I said, it's been entirely too long. For a while there, he was basically my co-host. And then, you know, life gets in the way. You take a vacation or two. Yeah, you go on. Uh, you go on a. I don't know the sabbatical. I didn't know there were no sabbaticals, right? No. Anyway, news today here on a Thursday morning ahead of Jonathan Tannenwald. First up, MLS Wednesday night. Vancouver beating Colorado 2-0 at BC Place. Octavio Rivero and Kristen Teixeira scored the goals for the Whitecaps. This puts them in first place in the Western Conference, two points over LA, and it puts them atop the Supporters' Shield standings as well. Portland and Sporting Kansas City played to a goalless draw in Portland. Sporting snapping their three-game losing streak, but uh, one point instead of three. I'm not sure the Timbers will be overly excited about that, but for Sporting Kansas City... Anything getting back on the uh, the plus side is good right now. Real Madrid president Florentino Perez says the club will not consider selling uh, Cristiano Ronaldo unless a club meets his one billion euro buyout clause. One billion, one billion euros. That's a lot of money. I think I'll have to do the exchange. You know, I have to go check on the exchange rate, but I think that's a lot of money. He's been a target, Ronaldo, of PSG, uh, obviously linked again to Manchester United and a potential return there. Uh, in the case of Cristiano, it's 1 billion euros or 725 million pounds. If they don't pay that, they don't want him. Whenever I've wanted a player, I've gone for him paying the release cost. cost. 
okay, if we get to the point where Cristiano Ronaldo is get if somebody's paying a billion euros to get him, we've gone too far. I mean, I, I think we might have reached that point already. But if he gets, if somebody exercises that release clause, one billion, we've gone too far. Clearly, rumors continue to swirl about the fate of the 2016 Copa America tournament. Remember, originally planned for the United States, going to be a big celebration. Combabol and Concacaf getting together, having a big party in the U.S. that can make a bunch of money. With the FIFA scandal erupting, seven officials being arrested, many of those officials from uh, South American countries, some of them obviously from CONCACAF countries, including the president of CONCACAF, Jeffrey Webb. That uh, tournament now in doubt. Estimates right now put the United States getting that bid uh, or being able to host that tournament at about 50-50. And there's even been some rumors that today would be a day of reckoning, some kind of decision being made. Uh, Chile apparently is interested in hosting that tournament uh, with a couple other countries maybe getting involved. Of course, that would be Chile just hosted the, the Copa America, but with the short t- uh, turnaround time switching the host, uh, they may be able to host another one. Louis van Gaal admitted that the fee that he paid or Manchester United paid for French striker Anthony Martial was quote-unquote ridiculous, although he also said that he bought the player not for himself but for his successor, and then went ahead and indicated that that successor will probably be Ryan Giggs. The fee for Martial was £36 million, which could rise with those performance uh, enhancements to about £58 million or $89 million. It's an awfully lot of money, an awful lot of money for a teenage striker. Prince Ali bin Al Hussein has decided he will, in fact, run for the FIFA presidency next year when uh, they hold a new election to replace. It's a Blatter. Remember, Prince Ali was the man defeated by Blatter in May during the last round of voting before Blatter came out and shocked the world by saying he was going to step down. But he didn't step down. He just said that there'd be a... Anyway, so Prince Ali, we must overcome the deep-seated corruption, but I was not brought up to walk away from a tough fight. This is about right or wrong. This election should be about football, not personal ambition. We have come too far to walk away now. Uh, he has also said, I had the courage when others feared. They didn't have the guts to run, but I did. Uh, I saw a quote on Twitter, Prince Ali saying that when people don't know who the FIFA president is, that's when I know we'll have reached our goal or made progress. That's that's a very nice sentiment, Prince Ali, but I don't think it's actually going to uh, to work out that way. Uh, right now, Prince Ali is the uh, only other official candidate alongside Michelle Platini, although many other people have announced that they may uh, they may run. Uh, including um, and including a couple of other FIFA figures uh, who have uh, been around the game for quite some time. All right, uh, so you know, are we flushing out the riffraff to replace with somebody who's actually going to do some reforming? Who knows? U.S. soccer officials are scrambling right now to find a replacement for the Australian women's national team. The uh, the Matildas have officially decided they're not playing. Uh, the two friendlies set for September 17th in Detroit and September 20th in Birmingham. About 60,000 tickets sold between those two matches. Uh, the FFA, after the Australian women and the professional footballers Australia announced that the women wouldn't travel, has confirmed that those games are canceled. Uh, U.S. soccer looking for a replacement. Could end up being a CONCACAF team. That's probably going to be the easiest fix for them, although U.S. soccer maintains that they will they will find a replacement, and these and these games will uh, go on. At this point, the dispute between the Matildas and the PFA is over a pay raise. Football Federation Australia has offered an increase from twenty one thousand 
Australian dollars a year to 23,000 Australian dollars a year. Clearly, that's not good enough for the Australian women. Um, many of these women are taking, uh, taking a serious look at their soccer careers and may have to end up getting uh, real jobs, or not real jobs, but you know what I mean, uh, other jobs in order to maintain, uh, in order to support themselves. At this point, it's getting, it's getting pretty messy uh, with uh, the Australian uh, labor dispute. We'll continue to, uh, to track this. I'm trying to get some numbers for you here. Um, the full-time contracts are $21,000, which is obviously uh, a pittance compared to many players. A couple of players did indicate that they would, uh, they would like to play regardless of the strike, uh, but uh, at this point it does look like everything has been canceled and there will be no USA-Australia matches as part of the Victory Tour. Let's take a break. When we come back, our friend Jonathan Tannewald from Philly.com will join us, the goalkeeper. Let's talk to him about MLS and its future, television ratings, revenue streams, salary caps. It'll be fun times. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. Now Rabble.tv is taking it to the next level with a brand new redesign, as well as new apps for Android and iOS smartphones and tablets. So no matter whether you're at home or on the road, Tune into this Sunday's broadcast between Orlando and Sporting Kansas City and listen to me sharing my thoughts and opinions. With Rabble, you can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone or Android, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast? Call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Orlando City versus Sporting Kansas City on Ravel.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Back on Soccer Morning, we now have on Skype with us the glorious return of the goalkeeper, Mr. Jonathan Tannewald from Philly.com. Hi, John. Good morning. I have an item for you. Okay, you got an item. I love this. I love when the, John the gets this. The CEO of the Football Federation Australia put out a statement this morning in which, in talking about the CBA stuff that got the women's games canceled, he said, quote, we had a gun at our head, end quote. Ah, that's probably not the. It's not probably not the image you want to evoke when it to, comes to a labor. To which I, I tweeted just now. Okay, fine. Pixar, it didn't happen. <laughs> right, Pixar, it didn't happen. This is not you know. Th- this is not uh, the. Uh, this is not a an American labor dispute between uh, <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa and. I mean, come on, come on. You just got to be careful about stuff like that. And the, the problem. I, there, this is why, John, and just to, to kind of spin this here, and we're going to come to MLS and, and Don Garber at SoccerX and, and TV ratings and all that, so I'm going to use this as sort of a, a way to, to turn and segue here. The, the way that MLS management handled positioning themselves during the CBA negotiations with the players was so much more 
uh, so much more intelligently done than that kind of thing. I mean, sometimes you'll hear guy hear labor or uh, management say stuff like that, and you just shake your head, and and the players' position becomes stronger. MLS, while the players had some support, MLS did manage to avoid things like that. Well, I've I've said even in my own uh, newspaper union CBA negotiations, which were going on at the same time as the MLS talks. People certainly in Philadelphia saw some of the, I will call them absurd statements by by the management of the time, uh, mm. and uh, it doesn't help. That's no, for sure. It does not help. It does not. Uh, so we have that situation with the U.S. women obviously being impacted by uh, this uh, this labor dispute between uh, players of of both the men and the women in Australia. And the uh, Football Federation Australia will see how this uh, how this plays out. In the meantime, let's let's talk MLS. Let's talk about Don Garber. He's he's made his annual trek to Soccer X in Manchester. John, uh, this is it's it's speaking of the CBA negotiations. It's always interesting to juxtapose Don Garber's comments at Soccer X with what was being said and coming out of his mouth during those labor negotiations. We're losing money. We're hundred million dollars in the hole. Uh, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have the money to pay the players this much, and now he's there, and it's this mutual admiration society, and everybody's slapping his back because the tennis numbers are up, and uh, the demographics are headed their direction, and they're uh, they're making all this progress. I, I just think that's fascinating. Well, as usual, Garber forgot the word voluntarily when he said that the clubs were losing money. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, look, it, I, I wrote some of this yesterday. If MLS wants to be in, in the conversation with the other leagues that Sky broadcasts, since that is what Garber said and where he said it, um, there are two ways to do it. One is to pay the players more money, which they're starting to do. If, if you look at the salary data over the last couple of years, I'm actually working on sort of a, a sort of fancy graphic visualization presentation of some of this data and the historical trends with it and how much the spending has grown. Uh, well, wait, 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 hold on, a, hold on. But, but, they're, but they're not they're, – the thing that has happened at the same time, the, the, the comparison that I think is the killer one is to compare the amount of spending in the league to the number of players in the league because what may ultimately hold this league back from really growing is if it keeps having 28-player rosters for the rest of the time. Okay, uh, that, that's a good point. Now, again, the, you know, and this is one of those things about statistics, and I saw a graphic – that were, that Sky Sports uh, was sharing just about the same time as Dirk Garber was making his comments, and they said something like, you know, the the the, the graphic said some very in very simple terms: fifteen percent increase over last year's attendance, forty percent increase in the last five years or ten years, can't remember which number it was. Uh, average attendance is is almost twenty two thousand, which I believe is true, but you know those number those percentages are are skewed by. Expansion teams coming in with big stadiums and, and doing well. I mean, you can't take that away from MLS, but it does change. If, if we're talking about the same uh, the same eighteen teams, it's a it's a it's a. I'm not saying that MLS isn't growing, John. I'm just saying that there's an easy way to sort of spin these numbers to make them seem even more impressive. And when you talk about salary growth, are you talking about actual hard numbers, or are we talking about percentage wise? Because percentage wise might look impressive. But not actually be relative. The, the number, the hard numbers won't won't be relatively comparable to La Liga or Serie A, the leagues that that Don Garber explicitly mentioned. John, both, yeah, I'm yeah. Here. Uh, both, sorry, yeah. um, both in terms of growth of the mean and the median and things like that. Okay, uh, and also the the percentage. Right, and, and we know that those numbers are skewed by designated players, for example. 
Well, and that's the big thing. I mean, the, the that's when I talk about you know the, the total spending on players um, jumping by you know double or almost triple what it used to be, but the number of players that it's being spent on, right? Not changing all that much. And look, I'm one of the happiest people you will find about the the raised minimum salary standards in the new CBA, and also. As I said, when some of the some more of the details came out, when if you're going to bargain for guaranteed contracts for the first time in MLS history, that's something where you give on other things. And I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know this at all. I have no idea. But maybe you give on the salary cap and other things like that in order to get guaranteed salaries. But I, I think that at some point before this CBA expires. The owners will get together and say, okay, it is in our interest to have a dramatic raise in the salary cap because uh, it is in our interest to spend more money. And that is the point where MLS will have really matured into a quote-unquote adult league as baseball and hockey and other sports are in this country. Okay, uh, uh, but uh, for the time being, I mean, that, that may come, that, that moment may come. I also question, you know, the... The uh, the resources available. I mean, we live in a world now where the biggest clubs in the world are, except for the the machines that are Barcelona and, and I suppose Manchester United and a couple others. Some of the biggest clubs in the world, the, the new big clubs, which MLS would certainly have to be in that mix if they're ever going to get there. Those clubs built on the personal fortunes of their of their investors, of their owners. I mean, City Football Group and uh, and the Qataris and, and PSG and that kind of thing. So how does how does MLS get there if it has? I mean, rich guys are owning these clubs, but they're they're not they're not they're not PSG rich. They're not Manchester City rich. So, how does MLS get to the point where the owners say now we're willing to spend money on a level that can put us into a conversation with Syria and La Liga? Well, I think you might have given away the answer on Twitter yesterday that some of these other leagues are going to fall backwards a little bit. Yeah, I, I do think that that's part of the discussion internally, but that's not how MLS is presenting it, obviously. No, of course not, and and I don't know that it's how they should present it. But there's an enormous amount of money in the most parity-driven sport in this country, and it is the sport that the English Premier League and a lot of other uh, major European soccer leagues look at as a financial model, and they might not admit it. And when Richard Scudamore comes over here uh, in November for BlazerCon, I'm not sure that he's going to come out and say – but the Premier League sure likes how the NFL goes about its business, but I know they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would imagine that if some folks in the upper echelons of European soccer had their druthers, uh, there might not be uh, quite so much promotion and relegation over there as there is now. I certainly don't think there would have been promotion and relegation in that European Super League they kept threatening to form for all those years. Oh no, and and, and that may that may be a reality built on the back of of any other of any salary cap notions. I mean, if I, I can certainly imagine a world in which the Premier League says, "Hey, we we can't do this anymore. We need to put the brakes on. We would like to have some financial stability, even if we're making billions of dollars in television revenue. We're going to install a salary cap." And clubs like City and, and United saying, "Whoa, hold on." We're not really cool with this, you know. We'll go play Barcelona every, you know, uh, th- three, four times a year, or whatever. I mean, they'll figure out a way to, to, to keep their their profile higher. Uh, maybe not, but even if even if they want to head in that direction, John, and this is not really related to MLS, but but it it is part of the whole uh, picture that that Garber's trying to paint here. How do they get around? I mean, the way that that the NFL and and Major League Baseball 
have operated. And the reason MLS MLS went with their single entity model and then was able to to go to court and defend it is those other leagues have have operated essentially with antitrust exemptions. Um, that's not something that's going to apply in a European market, is it? I don't believe that American antitrust law applies technically no, 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 in any no, other no. country. What I, what I mean is not American law, John. Just I, I don't know how you go from being the Premier League and, and La Liga and all of these other you – know, I don't know how within the European Union they can go and basically say we're going to restrict trade now and we're going to keep players from being able to make as much money as they used to because we're imposing salary caps on our teams. Like, I, I, just don't, I, I think there would be a massive amount of challenge to that. I think there would be too, but I also I really do believe that a lot of these European leagues are looking at ways to, to to see how it's feasible within European law, and I also think that there are so many people in Europe who are fed up with the fact that only you know seven or eight teams are really able to win their respective domestic leagues anymore. That if there was a way to do it, a lot of people would be for it. Uh, let's come back to MLS then. Uh, and again, let's come back to what Garber said. I mean, he's talking about he's he, look, he's he's a salesman when he's there. He's a salesman a lot of the time, John, but he's a salesman when he's there. I, I think that people who react viscerally to his comments are, are sort of missing the point or putting too much import into them. But please, Jason, we're uneducated. Can't say things <laughs> this like is that. true. When Don Garber though, when he puts MLS tries to put MLS into a conversation with La Liga and Serie A in ten years or less which, again, 10 years is beyond the 2022 target, but if he adds the less, okay, fine, we'll give him some leeway. Is, is, there, is there a sense that, that it's, a, I mean, it, it is completely bluster? I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you put it into, into, real, into the real world? Is there, is there any way to do that at all right now in this moment, 2015? Yeah, I think people who think that Garber's full of bluster need to look at, all of the commissioners of all of the other sports in the United States and realize that those kinds of figureheads don't exist in European soccer and in much of the rest of the world. A commissioner's job is to sell his league to sponsors. Um, and honestly, when I look at Garber's track record and the successes that he has had, and I look at at least one other commissioner in, in of the current big four in major league sports, probably two, uh, I'd take Garber over some of the others in this country given their track records. I'd take Garber over Roger Goodell, and I'd take Garber over Gary Bettman. Yeah, those are the guys who get booed the most. <laughs> sure, and we, we obviously still working out whether the Adam Silver uh, era is going to be a good one for the NBA. Uh, and, and that's the thing. I mean, Again, Garber is talking in a soccer context here. Clearly, MLS is also operating within an American sports context. Um, you know, that's why he points to things like the demographics, which these are well known, you know, that that as uh, um, as we sort of move into the next generation, lots of American uh, lots of Americans have grown up with soccer as as part of their their sports experience, and it's not still long, no longer new and different to them, uh, and they're willing to watch it on television. And that brings us, but again, MLS is competing not only with American sports, but the, but the other soccer leagues of the world when it comes to grabbing the attention of these young people. How are they doing on that front? And, and are we seeing real progress? Because this, this television deal was supposed to be a landmark deal, but it only really informs the future if they can build on the momentum. As I said, I think at the end of, of last year, if you, if you said you're going you're gonna to get a, a 10% increase in TV ratings year over year every year, 
I would imagine that a lot of television networks and a lot of business people would take that. I am uh, I'm looking up right now on uh, Soccer America's website. They had a piece recently here we go, about uh, the effect of Gio Dos Santos signing in Los Angeles and yeah. how that put a put a jolt into Univision's coverage of MLS. How it put a jolt into uh, the MLS ratings on ESPN and ESPN Deportes, uh, and we've already seen Fox flip. In fact, they pulled in an extra game to get the LA Dallas game at the end of September, so that they could get those Santos on their air again. Um, I think it was was it Franco Panizzo who wrote a couple of weeks ago that for MLS to become what it really wants to become worldwide, the first thing that it needs to do is become the league of choice in the Americas. Uh, that and that's you know that makes a lot of sense clearly. Well, you know, our our friends who believe that English soccer is the greatest thing in the history of the world and, and is inherently superior to all other things uh, don't always like hearing that stuff. But I think it's true. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think, by the way, that um, having the Bundesliga on Fox and having the, a, a new – not new, but – Adding another league to the mix of leagues that get a lot of exposure, some people will say, is not good for MLS because it clutters the marketplace even more. I think it could actually be beneficial to MLS in this specific way. If people watch it and they conclude, as a number of us have, that the Bundesliga is of a higher caliber than the Premier League, they may, or at least that it's very good, they may step back for a moment and consider the received wisdom that they have heard over the years. The Premier League is the superior league to all of the leagues on the planet. Mm-hmm. And wonder if that received wisdom was really just a bunch of marketing and not substance. Mm, I think you're, and if they I, conclude that, okay. then they might look at MLS and say, hey, maybe the gap between MLS and these other leagues is not as big as we were told. Okay. Well, you're, you're, you've got people thinking three, you know, in two or three steps, which I'm not sure – look, and this isn't about – education or or intelligence i just think that sports fans are very you know we 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 take in we don't necessarily give a lot back in terms of thought uh, necessarily soccer fans may be beyond the average american sports fan but that's only because of the complexity of the game and the the, the vastness of the game again we're told that we're uneducated so. i i know i know um there is a there you know you you mentioned the Giovanni dos Santos effect that's obviously been been large for MLS. We'll see if that momentum can continue and whether or not they can build on that. I mean, you know, is the dos Santos effect going to be a lot like the the Beckham effect? Which you know, while Beckham is uh, Beckham signing is a landmark moment in this league, and we wouldn't be here without him coming. In terms of boosting ratings, it's not like uh, ratings went up twenty five percent and then stayed there. Uh, MLS obviously had to deal with. You know, a boost in the numbers when he played, but everything else still dragging along. Are we going to see a? You know, is this going to spread out? I mean, do we have any idea whether or not MLS is going to capture this and be able to bottle it and carry it with it? Well, it's funny you mention Beckham being sort of a flash in the pan because Beckham begat Keane, and Keane begat Gerard, and Gerard sure. begat Lampard, and so on and so forth. But the flash in the pan, in a way that might be the more relevant comparison here is Raul Diaz-Arce at D.C. United in the early years of MLS. And the fact that D.C. United had, within the core of its fan base, the enormous Salvadoran population in the Washington area. Um, And as soon as Diaz-Arce left, in somewhat controversial circumstances, but nonetheless, when that happened, they all left and they didn't come back. Yeah. Um, 
the challenge for MLS is going to be now that they've got the Mexican fans really paying attention to keep pushing to get more Mexican players and to use Dos Santos to beget the next guy who will beget the next guy who will beget the next guy. And also at the same time be going out to get, I think, actually one of the best summer signings. Uh, uh, two of them, actually. In addition to Dos Santos, Anibal Godoy uh-huh. in San Jose and uh, Roman Torres in Seattle. Those are the kinds of moves that continue to establish Major League Soccer as the preeminent league in CONCACAF. Well, we also we have – Start we have, there and then go to the Americas and then go to the rest of the okay, world. Okay, yeah, look, we have parallel tracks here. While I don't necessarily begrudge Garber the right to talk about in a European environment, he's in Europe, about European leagues and trying to catch them, uh, we've got parallel tracks clearly. And I imagine this is part of the strategic thinking at MLS HQ. It's a matter of – we need the big stars like Giovanni DeSantos to bring people in, but we also have to improve the quality of the league overall. But the the impact, the immediate impact of those things are very different, John. There's not going to you're not going to see a big boost in ratings because oh, we've improved the quality of the league by some subjective measure. I mean that's a, that's a problem. There there aren't ways to quantifiably measure quality except in, unless you're you're very into statistics. So how does how else can MLS get some momentum and grab bigger ratings? Well, there is one way to objectively uh, measure the growth and quality of the league uh, relative to other leagues. And I believe we'll have that coming along the pike next week when the CONCACAF Champions League resumes. Sure, sure. But that small sample size, and obviously there's all of those uh, those variables at play. MLS can't, uh, you know, MLS teams in the knockout rounds in the middle of their preseason. I mean, I'm not saying that that's an excuse necessarily, and that, does, that, that tournament does inform something about where MLS is in relation to the rest of CONCACAF. But it's imperfect. It's very, very imperfect. No, it is imperfect, I know. But it's what we've got at the moment. And it is, a, it is, an, uh, it is the one tool that we have to be able to, specifically against the Mexican League, which is the only other league in CONCACAF that can combat MLS financially. Mm-hmm. To say when the Galaxy play Club America or play Tijuana, that that is a big series, even if it's in the if it's in the middle of the MLS preseason, because as the Galaxy yeah, played Tijuana, what was it two or three years ago in the Champions League? Yeah, it's yeah. the you know it's it's the Galaxy Academy Derby, right, right. Yeah, that was two or three years ago. Uh, all right, so I mean, look, I don't know that we're drawing any or, or making any big statements here about Garber's comments, other than sort of just parsing them out, uh, John. Um, but in terms of television ratings, I know um, you know the, the the Dos Santos effect has been good for MLS. I mean, let's just highlight. Do you have any um, any real sense of of what difference is uh, what the difference is? August was a big month for MLS. August was an enormous month for MLS. Uh, the ESPN shifted a couple of games from ESPN two to the main network. And uh, got 549,000 viewers for, for L.A., Seattle, uh, 452,000 for, uh, um, for uh, what was it, L.A., New York. I haven't seen the Seattle-Portland number yet. Uh, okay. But it, it, the LA, L.A. played San Jose on August 28th, which was a Friday night game at like 11 o'clock Eastern. Got 356,000 viewers. Mm-hmm. That's a... Big number, and ESPN is marketing the heck out. Of, I'm sorry, ESPN, sorry. Uh, Univision is marketing the heck out of Dos Santos being in LA as well. They should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think we'll be able to really take a full blown look over everything until the season's over, and we can we can uh, 
we can really measure year over year growth, but I'm I'm pulling up really quickly the uh, the games for this weekend. Okay, well, I, like I think the uh, the Seattle Portland number, if that's the August thirtieth game you're talking about, that uh, at World yes. Soccer at World Soccer Talk they've got it at as four hundred thirty eight thousand. Uh, so uh, not as strong as the two LA games, but but clearly a strong number, and and we know that 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 matchup draws um, some of the best ratings in M- uh, for MLS on television because of the nature of the rivalry, and, and and again all of this sort of just refocuses why MLS is going in the direction they, directions they are, um, with fo- focusing so much on on rivalry. John, I mean we've had two rivalry weeks this year. I don't know if there's a third one coming, but you know that when people sort of look at those dates and go, man, what. You know, this is a little ridiculous. What are we doing here? Why are we uh, making such a big deal out of it? That's why. Well, we have the flex, this two weeks of flex scheduling coming down the pike at the end of the year, and we have every playoff game on national television. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wow. that, you know, that's improvement, that's, right? That's improvement, right? That's, right? right. That's, where, that's where some of the tests are going to come. You're also going to have, you know, you've got the NFL season starting now. And you know, I, I think the one good thing about flex scheduling, or among the many good things about flex scheduling, is that the networks will really be able to pick the best matchups to go up against the NFL. And they can pick not only based on what the best teams are, but as the NFL schedule shakes out, they might be able to pick off markets that whose teams are not playing in those time slots. Okay. Uh, John, before before we uh, wrap this up, I, I think we also have to address something else that Garber talked about in Manchester, and that's this proposed Anglo-American Cup, something about a every, every year, or every four years, or something, some sort of tournament involving the Euro, the English champion, the English F, uh, FA Cup champion, the MLS champion, I imagine some other MLS team through some other mechanism, maybe this, the, the finalist, or even the U.S. Open Cup winner, uh, if that's an MLS team. What do you, what do you make of, of this? Because... You know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of of summer friendlies, particularly when MLS teams are involved. Middle of the season, you know, lots of uh, schedule congestion as it is. We just t- we just went through another international break where MLS played games. Why would they do this? I'm going to read you something from a website that I was pulling up while you were talking. The Transatlantic Challenge Cup was a friendly association football competition held in the summer from 1980 to 1984. Uh, that's off the Wikipedia entry for the Transatlantic Challenge Cup, which is basically what this is all over again, resuscitating something that was done in the NSL. NSL I don't care all that much. I think the summer friendlies are a good way to boost exposure of these teams to clubs that don't uh, otherwise always get so much attention in their markets if it makes the European clubs more inclined to take them more seriously and bring their top players over. That's fine with me. The one thing I will say to clarify something that has gone around on Twitter since this all came up yesterday is that people think that Charlie Stellatato and Major League Soccer don't get along. That's not true anymore. They do get along. Okay. And um, I'm not saying that I know who's going to you know, get the lion's share of the pie from this stuff or not, but uh, I, I wouldn't – I don't see it as a power grab – by MLS against Stilettano per se. I don't think that's really fair to either party. Well, I also think that there's probably still room, isn't there? I mean, of course there's, there's still room. And and I don't, you know, this is obviously a very uh, uh, this is very focused on MLS and and English teams from what Garber was talking about. Meanwhile, Stilettano is going to still bring uh, is still going to bring Barcelona over and Manchester and, Manchester City if they're not the champ. You know, there's still going to be teams that come over who aren't part of this dynamic of Anglo American. 
And what are we going to call this? Like the the Roosevelt Churchill Cup or something? I, I don't I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you don't care? call it the Major League Soccer All Star. Oh game. my God! There's so, there's so many historical things you can trade on here, John. There's a you know I, I know Anglo Americans got a long history just as a phrase. Anyway, all right. So you know uh, let, uh, let's. Uh, I think we've covered everything that I really wanted to touch on here today. Most of those comments by Garber. Oh, here's here's something that deserves mention. I've left it out because it, to me it's not news at all. But once again, Don Garber answered answered the question about promotion and relegation and said not anytime soon. Um, and he maintains that the that the league can grow and be fine without it, uh, which is know. correct. Uh, sure, and it absolutely is. He pointed to the other American sports leagues and said they don't do it and they're fine. Um, and you identified that perhaps there are. Some people in Europe who are uh, ready to move on from promotion and relegation. I, I don't know. Uh, do we imagine that happening anytime soon? How, you know, and you always get into the practical elements. Well, who who gets left out, and then who gets stuck in the second division, et cetera, et cetera. I I, I can't I can't see it ever actually happening. Right, right. But I'm you know I talked about the creation of this European Super League a couple of years ago that would surely not have had any promotion and relegation in it unless the teams involved decided that some other team had gotten good enough that they wanted to invite them to the table. Okay. And we would call that expansion, wouldn't we? Yes, we would. <laughs> Something like that, anyway. I mean, established or not, it essentially is expansion. Uh, speaking of expansion, uh, any any insight into Miami? Uh, I know Doug Garber addressed that. Any insight to Minnesota? Do you have any thoughts on expansion as it sits right now? Um, I do. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in Miami. I'm still skeptical that that NASL team is ever going to kick a ball. I would remind people that traffic sports and the NASL are one and the same. I would remind people also that we were we were reminded uh, just this week that traffic sports remains a going concern um, because they hoodwinked the Canadian Soccer Association and got Belize to renege on a TV rights deal that they did for that World Cup qualifying series. Right. Yep. The Canadian fans who wanted to watch that Belize match got got screwed. Right. And they got screwed by Traffic Sports, which was the entity that the CSA had been talking about, about trying to help get the Canadian League launched and bankroll their 2026 World Cup bid. Well, that was real kind of traffic to repay that fame. Um, I got one other thing I want to mention. It goes to something that you said on the Sirius XM show yesterday. You there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, go okay. ahead, John. Right. I'm giving you the space you said, here. You said, quote, as a coach, you need to identify what the best traits, what the skill sets of your players are, and put them in a position to go win the game by utilizing those skills. <laughs> yeah. Is that the part of the American cult, soccer culture where Jurgen Klinsmann says we're uneducated about sports? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I see that. I'm being, I'm being, um, you know, I feel like I'm 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 being brainwashed a bit, maybe into. I mean, obviously not, but but I feel as though that's the the effort to kind of uh, force us away from using logic in case in some cases. Um, because because then he is off the hook. I, I I think he's off the hook anyway. But but yeah, essentially, he's taught. He has a good way. He has a good ability to talk himself out of these corners. I am. Um, I'm actually looking at a comparison of competitive U.S. men's national team results. Uh, by Roel Seibing. I don't know how to say his name. But I'm going to look at this, John. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for joining us and being back on Soccer Morning. Uh, it's been a while. It's good to have you, and hopefully we'll talk in the near future. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I will attempt to play the best of my ability in whatever position you put me in, even if it's one I haven't played in before. <laughs> there you go. I'm not going to put Jonathan Tannewald in defensive midfield against Brazil. I don't think that's going to work out. 
Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. When we come back, your phone calls on a Thursday. Don't go anywhere. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. Now Rabble.tv is taking it to the next level with a brand new redesign, as well as new apps for Android and iOS smartphones and tablets. So no matter whether you're at home or on the road, Tune into this Sunday's broadcast between Orlando and Sporting Kansas City and listen to me sharing my thoughts and opinions. With Rabble, you can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone or Android, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast? Call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Orlando City versus Sporting Kansas City on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we are back on Soccer Morning, Thursday edition of the program. Good chat with Jonathan Tannewald. I did threaten on Twitter to talk about Mr. Robot for an hour. I finished the first season of Mr. Robot last night. I watched the last two episodes. I, I feel a little, I feel like I should be separating them out a little bit more, but I did like take a moment, go back, read some analysis, just to you know, flesh out my thoughts on episode nine, and then I finished up with episode 10. And yeah, I'm ready. Give me more. I need so I need this. When, how long do I have to wait, Trevor? Like like six months? A year? How, like, they always make it. They always drag it out. They always drag it out. Yes, I watched after the credits on the final, on the season finale. Yes. I saw what happened there at the fancy. Yes, I saw that. I don't want to spoil. There are people out there who, who, I don't, who are saying that there's, there are a couple episodes behind. So I can't spoil. But wow. What a show. What an absolute fantastic show. 646-832-3909 is the phone number. Jump on in. Talk about soccer with us. Again, Don Garber's comments, really the center of this show today, mainly because it's a, it's just a bit of a slow news day. Uh, big win from Vancouver last night in MLS play. They beat Colorado 2 nothing at BC Place. We had a, we did have one NASL result. I believe the Scorpions and the Railhawks played to a 3-3 draw last night. Uh, so that's also out there in the, in the American soccer thing. Uh, clearly, we're headed towards a big weekend in Europe around uh, around the many leagues of Europe, including Manchester United, Liverpool happening this weekend. Uh, we do have tomorrow, you know, to get into that game and talk a little bit more about the Premier League season to this point. I imagine we'll we'll take a look at some things um, when we get to tomorrow. In the meantime, we're still I guess we're still are we still dealing with the fallout of USA Brazil? My man Roberto up in Connecticut. What's up? I actually want to talk about Don Garber's comments first. Okay, go, for, I get go for that. Go for that. Firstly, I don't understand why he thinks that this league will be on par with the other big leagues in Spain, Italy, England, Germany. But Roberto. And clearly we're isolating each other from the other leagues for not having, for one, having a salary cap, and two, not having promotion and relegation. Okay, two things. 
two things. Pro rel has nothing to do with the quality of the league in my mind. Okay. Number first of all, that's that's first. Second of all, whether he believes it or not isn't really the point. He's going to say it because he's selling his league. But even if the, even if you think that he believes it, or or you, you, that's your assumption that he believes it, again, let's lay this out. I think that what he believes, and what a lot of people around MLS or and and or European soccer believe, is that there will be at some point a financial reckoning in Europe that will change the landscape of that continent in terms of how much money these teams spend, where they spend it, and how that qual- how that affects the quality of those leagues. Anything else? I mean, I, course, if you don't yeah, agree, if you don't no, agree with me, no, Roberto, I mean, if you don't agree with me on I mean, that, that's honestly, fine. Go ahead. No, I mean, I don't. I mean, we don't have to. We don't have to agree on a lot of things, but sure. I honestly, firmly believe that it does have to work in this league. And we, I don't want to have a huge discussion because that would take many, many hours. What? What, what are we talking uh, about? Just a thought. That's all. What? What? Okay. What? Which part? The pro rel part? The pro rel part, and yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, maybe in can I don't know if you could do it in a minute. Maybe that's too that's too much pressure. But explain to me how in a how in one minute how pro rel impacts quality in a way that the way you know in a way that would impact MLS if if they had it. I mean, I don't know if it's going to affect it in general, but I think it would give. Um I, I would say it would be on par with the rest of the league. I, yeah, I don't really have a huge um, okay. argument on it at the moment, but I just firmly believe that looking at the other leagues in the world, okay. they're following it, it, just, it, <laughs> it just in the sense that... R- Roberto, doing something exactly the same as, anybody else, as everybody else doesn't necessarily bring about the same results. Again, the reason that ProRail works in so many places, especially in Europe, is because they've been doing it for 100 years. There's also this very... And I'm not putting this on you. It's just the way it feels. No, it's, fine. it's very much the... Underpants, question marks, profit kind of thought process here. Isn't that what's that thing from South Park, Trevor? I don't even remember. Steel underpants, question marks, profit. It's like how are we getting from point A to point C? What what's that middle thing there? How do how does this actually work? Doing just aping the rest of the world isn't necessary. I'm not saying it, we shouldn't have pro rel at some point. I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun. I'm not even saying that it wouldn't work. I'm just saying it, it's not endemic. It, it's not intrinsic to pro rel that it impacts quality, especially in a modern soccer context. Anyway, go ahead, Rob, Roberto, go ahead. All right. Um, just switching back to now the USA-Brazil match. Obviously, I have confidence. I really do against the match against Mexico next month, but we really need some drastic change in the, uh, in the squad. Huge change. Okay. All right. Uh, what, what would you advocate for? I would say Beasley returns, Backerman, Dempsey, you know, all those names. Okay, so you want to go back. I've seen this argument out there. I haven't read the pieces yet. You argue, you argue for going back to a core of experienced players. Yes. I, I'm with I you. I, I'm with you. And I think that that's – thanks for the call, Roberto. I'm not sure that that's an emergency action. I'm not sure that that's, pull, you know, that, that's pulling the fire alarm. I, I don't think it's warning bells going off. and you have, But I think that's the logical, smart thing to do for a coach – I just don't know that I trust Jurgen Klinsmann to do it. Eddie in Brooklyn, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, man? What's um, going on, man? So maybe you can help me out with this. Uh, what Garber said, was it really like he actually believes like MLS and La Liga will be on par like, in 10 years? Is that what he's saying? Uh, he said, hold on, let me see if I can find the quote so, so I get it right for you, okay? it's um, He said something like, think, like people will think of, uh, uh, here we go, um, People will think of 
MLS when they think of... I do believe in 10 years' time or less, he said. People will think of us like Syria, La Liga, and hopefully the way they think about the Premier League. Now, that, that's not a direct statement. We're going to be the same as them, or we on par as them, or our quality. He said people will think of us like Syria. They'll think of us like okay. La Liga. I don't know what that means necessarily, Eddie. He's driving. He's creating a little bit of space between we're going to be on par with them, and you know he's put he's he's he's, he's giving himself some room to maneuver. But that's what he said. Yeah, it's basically a cop out because it's not really going to happen. Um, but, you know, it's like nobody ever mentions in this conversation, like, where is MLS going to fall in with Champions League? I mean, besides Coca-Cola Champions League, which they can never win, uh, like actual Champions League, if you want to attract the biggest players in the world, you have to be in that competition. That's just the way it's always going to be. That's why teams like Madrid, United, PSG, City, they're always going to attract the big names. Even if there is this big reckoning in Europe, that competition drives more money than any competition in the world. And unless MLS is in it, uh, I can't point. see anybody thinking of an MLS team like one of the top teams in Europe. That's a good That's point. One. That's so a good point. Can't, if can't, you really want to be thought of like one of the top five leagues in 10 years, I guess Liga MX is going to go with them because, uh, you know, it's not even the best league on this side of the continent. I mean, this side of the, of the pond. Sure. So there's that part, too. Well, why is that a point that's worth mentioning, though? Well, I mean, it's just... Again, he's talking. Uh, you want to put yourself. You want to put yourself in, in in that conversation, but you're not really a part of the Liga MX, uh, Brazil, and even Argentina conversation because you're not even no, a part no, no. with the Lord yet, which I, is the biggest I, conversation. I don't. I, this I'm, side of the I'm pond. not, Eddie. I'm not arguing that MLS shouldn't target being the. You know, Jonathan Tannenwald just said it. Target being the biggest league in the Americas first, or the best league in the Americas first. And yeah, they have to. They have to overtake La Liga. I'm sorry, Liga MX, and they have to overtake the Brazilian league and and the Argentine league. Of course, I mean that. I think, logically speaking, that's that's what they should be aiming for. But when the man stepping in front of a bunch of soccer executives and people with cash and and marketing people and and, and people who are going to spend advertising dollars, I don't have a problem with him when he's in Europe talking about European leagues and MLS chase. Again, this is this is salesmanship. This isn't. I don't think he's. No, I understand that, but then what's what's the whole Anglo Cup thing for? Like, is that really going to have to be a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. That's that's out there too. I mean, I don't. I I don't like that idea. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that at all. This is all about grabbing more money and more market share. And as I, I, I'm usually okay with some of that stuff as long as it's the the thing that's going to drive MLS growth. But I don't know how this one helps. Uh, I just. I'm I'm not up on this, so I was kind of asking more questions and then kind of having my own Fair. thoughts about Fair. it. Like I, I I honestly don't think he really believes that because it's a little bit of a stretch at this point. And did we reset it? Was, was it 10 years from now? So it's now 2025, not 2022? I do believe in 10 years' time or less. So again, he's sort of using, uh, okay. using <laughs> words. That's a great word. Yeah, he's being, he's, he's, very, he's being very nonspecific here. So, yeah, we've been talking about 2022 for a while, right? And I've been yelling on this show. Well, I try not to yell because you have eardrums, but I've been talking on this show about how you can't say stuff like that and then increase the salary cap by $400,000. You can't, that's not good enough. You know what I mean? Like, you can't say this and have it not match your actions. And I still believe that about these comments. Don't talk to me about Syria and La Liga if you're not going to make real significant progress towards improving the quality of the league. Now, as you said, there's always going to be a problem with top players. Because those guys are going to want to go play in the Champions League. The Champions League is where the money is, and it's where the prestige is. And MLS can't compete with that, and, and that will always hold them back. But if you're going to get there, 
you better spend. I don't care if you think there's going to be salary caps in Syria in 10 years or that uh, spending is going to go way down because everybody's going to go broke. You still have to get closer. No, I agree. I mean, so basically my beach isn't really Bukhara. It's more the, the journals writing these catchy, clickbait headlines then because a lot of the stuff that I was looking at, I, I was kind of laughing at because there's no way he's actually believing that. And then you're reading me the quotes, and it's, it's a lot more wiggle room. Uh, like I said, the guy is just a perfect wordsmith, so it's mainly more the journals I got people with that. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't sell. It doesn't get people to click when you say, Don Garber wants people to think of MLS like Syria in ten years yeah. from now. Like that just doesn't. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Eddie. Yeah, I right, mean, got anything else? No, that's all I got. I appreciate the phone call, Eddie in Brooklyn. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine is the phone number. We're here for you on a Thursday. We're talking, obviously, Don Garber, center of the th- the show today. His comments over at Soccer X. In Manchester, again, I think we've got a couple of different elements working. We talked through most of them with Jonathan Tannewald. It is, it is these comments about matching or, or getting or, or becoming on level or having people think about MLS like a certain couple of leagues in Europe uh, that, are, that are noteworthy. Uh, it's also about the Anglo-American Cup and, and that particular idea. Again, I don't like jamming more friendlies into the middle of your, of your season, which is already packed will already creates you already have a dynamic where you don't take the international break so now you're you're only you're only going to make it worse by adding games and again between your top teams and some uh some english premier league teams again i don't i don't know how this uh, i'm not sure how this benefits the league except from a money standpoint the dollars made on the back of of that but you also undercut the legitimacy of your own competition by doing things like this in season. I'm just not a big fan. Chris on Twitter, uh, yeah, but all the headlines were, and as he, as this is exactly what he's, he's saying exactly what Eddie was saying. All the headlines were, Garber insists MLS will be as good as dot, dot, dot. That's not what he said this time. This time. Yeah, he, he said some things. He said some things. Again, if you put Garber in the proper context, you're less... You're less bothered by these if you are a person who cares about that. And I think that so much of the reaction here is a little bit of the snobbery on the part of soccer fans, I think. I mean, again, if you if you can if you can imagine that Garber is really just trying to sell his league to a bunch of people and making some claims that really can't be proved right now, and the growth of MLS gives him enough leeway to make these statements without looking ridiculous then you can be fine with it people who go oh my god what are you talking about you're never going to be as good as la liga shut up uh that response doesn't make any sense to me and that response indicates more about you the person making the response than it does about garber and his claims it's more about your attitude about the pecking order of of world soccer as if there is slots that people have to find them to, to relegate themselves to and that you can't, you have to know your place. Not a big fan of this notion that MLS is supposed to know its place. Uh, there are the real, realistic assessments of where they are are important for planning and trying to figure out how to get where you want to go. But the notion that the, uh, that having ambition is a problem doesn't make any sense to me either. I mean, on one hand, we've got the NASL trying to punch up towards MLS. MLS trying to punch up towards European leagues, and everybody's just trying to get 
to grow the sport. It, the only the only problems come in when you make decisions on based on these notions that are either out of step with what you're claiming you want to do, as I've talked about with MLS, or are counterproductive to that. He compared MLS to Europe and not the Americas because the casual MLS fan doesn't know the Americas team. No, I don't think so, Rich. I think he was. it's because of who he was talking to. He wasn't talking to the American. He wasn't standing in front of a bunch of MLS fans at Soccer X in Manchester. He's standing in front of industry people. He's standing in front of soccer people. But he's doing it in Europe. So when he picks out, I mean, they, they may know Syria, Brazil. They may know uh, the the Argentina First Division. They may know Colombia. They may know Mexico. Some of them don't probably, but some of, most of them do. He could have he could have made this about the Americas. No, he made it about Europe because he's talking to Europeans. For the most part, I'm sure there were some gathered Kamabul representatives and people from Mexico. But for the most part, the people who are talking to are the Brits and the Italians and the French and the Germans. And he's laying it out because that's their frame of reference. You're talk- you have to know your audience. I think Garber was talking to that audience. Of course, his, his comments are reported around the world. Sky Sports is there. Sky Sports has MLS. They're going to present this stuff. It's part of the part of the dynamic as Garber goes about being the Pied Piper of MLS. And again, not everybody is on board with his leadership. Lots of questions about that. He definitely has a notion that MLS needs to operate in a way that is significantly different than the traditional soccer league of Europe, and that's not a problem. Chris says, I totally believe that the US uh, that US top league will rival those in Europe, but it'll take twenty five to fifty years, not ten. 10 is a very short time frame, and that's, yeah, I, I'm sort of with Chris on this. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I really don't. And honestly, I don't care. I, I don't care if MLS ever becomes the best league in the world. I don't care if MLS is on par with the Premier League or Syria or, or La Liga. I don't, I don't care. I, I want the sport to grow because it's more fun to have more people involved in soccer. I want the sport to grow because I like big crowds at stadiums and people chanting and singing and making a big deal out of this. I, I want the sport to grow because it might benefit our national team and one day we'll win a World Cup and that's been something I've dreamt about for a long time. But I don't care if MLS is the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A because it's not going to impact how, I, how entertaining it is to me. I can recognize, uh, you know, in terms of, I can intellectually recognize an improvement in quality in MLS, but that doesn't necessarily impact how much I'm going to watch or how interested I am in the results or how closely I watch the standings at the end of the year. This is my league. I mean, I I guess I can sort of understand why people don't who live here and, and love soccer don't see it as their league, that they want rather watch the Premier League. Okay, fine. I mean, whatever your entry point is, that, that obviously sends you on a path. But this is my league. This is my country's league. I want it to grow because that makes it cooler for, for Americans to watch soccer. That makes it more fun to watch. And, and ratings and, and money and all of those things will feed into better soccer players in this country. But I don't care if it's the Premier League. I, I really don't. Paulo on Twitter, so 20 years ago, did Garber say NFL Europe would be the second best football league in the world? It's <laughs> kind of funny. It's kind of funny. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, Don Garber wants, uh, 
What's the guy who did uh, who was the commissioner of NFL Europe? All right, uh, phone lines have died, and uh, we're going to get out of here. We'll talk to you guys uh, tomorrow, Big Friday episode of the program coming up. We'll look ahead to the weekend. bunch of games coming up in MLS and uh, the Premier League and La Liga and Serie A, all those leagues we just mentioned, Liga MX, and we'll talk about those. Uh, we'll also um, also continue the discussion about Jurgen Klinsmann's tenure as national team head coach heading into that game against Mexico. <clears throat> Excuse me, please go by. Please go by a soccer morning mug, and a soccer morning t-shirt, and all that stuff at backheel.com. You can also check uh, check us out on iTunes. Go by, uh, go by iTunes and give us a rating and review. And follow us on Twitter at Soccer Morning. Follow me, Davis JSN. And that's it. I think we're out. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every cursive letter? Tell me why the hell no one is here. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.